to Not the Mama with Auntie Julia. I'm your host, Auntie Julia. And today we're very excited to have Rachel Carter. She is a young adult author and um, a freelance editor. Um, and her book series, So Close to You, is out and available now. Uh, Rachel, welcome to Not the Mama. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Why don't you tell listeners a little bit more about your book series and your writing in general? Yeah, so I'm a young adult author. I'm an editor. I'm a teacher. Um, and my books came out a few years ago. They're called So Close to You. They're about time travel and romance and teenagers and, you know, adventure. It's kind of all Very cool. Yeah, it's fun. Where do you get your inspo? Um, kind of from all over the place. I have always really loved writing coming-of-age stories. I think that's why I was sort of attracted to YA in the first mm-hmm. place. Um, I actually got an MFA in nonfiction writing, but I was writing YA stories anyway. Like, I was obsessed with my own teenage self, so I, like, yeah. <laughs> never branched out that much. Um, yeah, so I, it, I just have always enjoyed it. That's awesome. Mm. That's so cool. I find anyone who has been able to write a book to be the most inspiring person ever. (laughs) And actually, so Rachel and I got to know each other through Christina Rumpf, who was our very first Not The Mama guest. Yeah. And the famous story about that is Christina always inspired me because we would go over, she's also an author, a writer working on a book, and when... She and her husband would have parties and friends over. There sometimes there would be like these post-it notes like all over the walls. <laughs> and it was like the remnants of her figuring out like how to map out her story and everything. And I was just always like, this is so cool to watch. Like, I mean, maybe it's not even just writing, but just like the creative process in general. But for me, I love telling stories and I like the process of writing too. So anybody who has the ability to get that onto paper, especially into a book form, I just think is exceptional. <laughs> Thank you. So we're very, we're very lucky to have Rachel here with us today. She also, what, did you move to New York last year? Yeah. You so back? I used to live here. I lived here um, kind of through my 20s, and then I moved to Vermont for five years, which is where I grew up. And I came back here in September, so cool. um, like late August. So I've been here since then. Very awesome. Yeah, and I'm excited to be back. Yes. Well, we are happy you are here. It's nice springtime in New York where everyone starts to feel alive again and invigorated. I know for me, I'm I'm always just like, nothing will stop me this summer. (laughs) And then by the end of, like, by August, I'm just like, oh, when is it going to be fall? (laughs) I feel like everyone's summer is the, it's like that time period where everyone is, it's like all inspirational. You know, you're like, this is their aspirational. You're like, this is the life I'm going to have. And then all you do is like sit in the sun. I know, I'm always like, I'm going to go to the beach every other day. And then I go like once. (laughs) I always have dreams of like having like pictures of mint tea, like in my fridge, like 24 seven. And then I can like never manage it. Yeah. (laughs) No, I can't, I can't keep a fridge stocked. I don't know how people do that. Um, Anyway, so let's get to the topic at hand. Rachel, question of the day. Do you want kids? You know, it's so funny because I've been thinking about how I would even answer this. Um, I'm going to say not right now. I'm nowhere near right now. Yeah. So um, I don't know what it looks like for me, I would say. Well, how old are you and what is your relationship status? I'm 35. I turned 35 two weeks ago. Oh, happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you. Um, So I'm 35 and I'm single. Okay. So, you know, on that level, I don't really have, you know, um, kind of a partner who I'm making this choice with together right Mm -hmm. now. Um, 
and I talk about this a lot with dating in your 30s versus like dating in your 20s is that I think when you start dating when you're younger you get to you kind of grow up together and you sort of make these choices as a couple but I think when you start when you're dating in your 30s you kind of have made these choices on your own yeah because you don't really have anyone else there you know that you're kind of like at least growing up with yeah these um and so yeah so I think you almost sort of decide what you want and then you're kind of like looking for a partner to slot into that yeah so I would say like if you asked me today my plan would be like maybe one kid in like five years maybe like yeah. maybe 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 yeah or maybe not so Ola, are you actively dating right now like yeah definitely I'm on like, the app I'm on the apps yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm checking it out um I you know relationships have never been what I've put first I would mm-hmm. say um and they've always sort of put my career friendships I mean, relationships as relationships for sure, but I don't ever feel this sort of driving need to have a romantic relationship define me as a person. And so as far as I'm concerned, I think a relationship has to make my life better for it to be worth being in. Yes. So I think that should be, that is a great bit of advice for all people listening. A relationship should be additive to your life. You should not feel trapped or controlled or hindered in any way. I've certainly had relationships in the past that were like that. Like, when I was young, like, in college, my first college boyfriend, I remember, I I used to just feel, I mean, it was, I don't even know what I was thinking being with him. Well, I do now, and I could get into it if I need a therapy session, but um, I remember feeling so trapped in that relationship and just like, oh, this is my life now. Like, I, I this is what I've decided, you know, as a 19 year old, like, it's like, what are you talking about? You have the whole, your whole world out of you, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, that was actually a good lesson for me because then I realized like, oh, like dating, I can say what I want. I can, you know, like it should be like that. And luckily in my relationship with Lane, it's like just open life, you know, obviously I, listeners know I overshare on this podcast (laughs) about him all the time. Great. I'm yeah. not being restricted. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's such an important point to make that it doesn't have to be, you know, all about this other person and that you can put other stuff, you know, first and that it's still okay that you can have fun and date and meet someone just as easily as if you were only focused on finding someone, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's really key. You know, I, I really like dating and I, you know, I like spending time with cool, interesting people. Like that's, you know, something that I value. Um, and so it's always been a part of my life, but I just have never really felt this need to sort of define my life through another person. Yeah. Maybe that's why I'm not sure about kids, honestly. Right. <laughs> and, um, cause I just, I don't know. I feel like I, I want to, maybe there's a selfishness right now for me at this exact point in my life. Like I, I want to take care of me right now and then sort of whatever else fits into that fits into that. Yeah. Do you think, um, that you would have a kid if you didn't have a partner? Um, I have no idea. Honestly, I, I love kids. Um, and I think that that's, it's an interesting thing to grapple with because I think a lot of people who don't want kids just don't like them. Yeah. (laughs) I love kids. Like I've always nannied, um, I have close relationships, you know, with the kids that I nannied for years. Um, and my sister just had twins and they are so really cute. cute. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so, I like put them on Instagram. Like they're two hours. Oh, I, (laughs) I upload so much about my niece all the time when I'm not even with her. People are always like, are you in Seattle? And it's like, no, it's just. 
the daily posts that I'm going to make. <laughs> I feel like it has taught me that, like, all I ever really wanted to be was an aunt. And I'm, like, I've, like, yeah. taken to aunthood. Yeah. And, but I just, you know, but watching my sister go through this process, especially with twins, it's, like, her whole life has just completely turned on its head. And she's really happy about that. And But I live, like, love my life. And the yeah. thought that I would have to just change every piece of it, especially all the things that I love about it, I feel like would be really a tough thing to do. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I have so many friends who are parents. And, you know, they're all with varying, I think, challenges as parents and also varying degrees of liking being a parent, but not any one of them would ever say that their life wasn't completely changed, right. you know? exactly. Um, and not not that I think they would necessarily say it's a bad thing, but, you know, their lives change. It's just how it is. So if you like your life as is, it's a hard thing to grapple with, you know? It's, it's going to be a hard sell, you yeah. know? <laughs> like, you know, there was a point where I really kind of sat down and, and thought about what are the things I value? What are the things I like? You know, like, what are my hobbies? What are, if I have a free hour, what do I do with that time? And, yeah. and, and especially because I'm freelance, because I'm a writer, I'm an editor, I sort of always have work. It's like kind yeah. of having never ending homework in a way. Um, and so how I use my free time is something that I'm always constantly negotiating with myself. And I just, the thought that all that time would be taken up by something else right now is just not a place that I feel comfortable in. Yeah. Like, I love going to bars with my friends. I love, like, going to a cool new restaurant. I love watching Korean soap operas for three hours. Yeah. You know, I love these things that are, would be very difficult if I were to add a newborn into this situation. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, and I think, like, sometimes people, when they hear people categorize things, something as being difficult, they think like, oh, well, you're just not up for the challenge, or um, they see it as inherently a bad thing, and I just don't see that as, like, why aren't we allowed to openly talk about how difficult parenting is, and how unappealing it is to some people? Like, why isn't that a valid consideration um, when making the decision to become a parent? Like, and not, and not to say that, like, I'm just sick of it because it seems like people have to be like, oh, but you would get so much different things out of it. And I can't even remember my life before I had kids. And, you know, it's fulfilling in a new way. And and those things can all be completely fine. But what if you're just not looking for that change, you know? Well, yeah. Like, just because something's difficult doesn't mean you have to tackle it. No. And I think desire should be a huge part of this conversation. I think a lot of times uh, the conversation around kids desire isn't a part of that right. conversation. You know, we have so many, you know, people who have sort of the decision thrust upon them. But I feel like at least I have this privilege of making the choice. Right. And right now, it's not a choice I want to make. Yeah, it's definitely a privilege, too, you know. And to be – I think that's something that's, really, like, really important to me as well, like, fully knowing that this is, you know, a conversation that I can foster just because of who I am. Um, meaning, you know, I mean – I have, even though my birth control issues are always an ongoing saga, I do have (laughs) the financial capability to access, you know, the care that I need. Um, You know, it's just, I have the security of knowing that I'm not disappointing everyone in my life. You know, Mm -hmm. my whole social structure won't collapse just because I choose not to have kids. Yeah. In fact, it hasn't changed at all. But I know that that's completely different for a lot of people, you know, and, and, you know, so I do think it's important that we're always acknowledging that because 
it's a big deal, you know, and like it's important and you know, for the people who get to make these types of decisions and who have the time to take. Cause like, I'm sure like if you do decide to have a child someday and you want it to be your own child, you know, you might have to make decisions about how to physically make that happen. You know, whether it's, you know, go like, uh, what is it called? Fertility care, things like that, you know, maybe not, or you might choose to adopt, like who knows you, have the time to make those decisions because of who you are, your financial situation, your hopes for your future. You can plan ahead in that regard. Not everybody can, you know, and it's a big piece of that puzzle. And I just think like part of privilege too is, you know, it is a bad thing a lot of the time because we wall ourselves off and we don't see the struggle that other people are having. But in this case, it's a bit of a privilege as women to be able to make our own choices in our lives. So it's also a good thing to be able to talk openly about this because my hope is at least that younger people can hear women like us have these conversations before they get to our age where they might have already made decisions that they can't go back on and just to consider their options you know so that they can get to the point where they can be where we're at too yeah. you know and there's like the larger societal privileges that go along with that obviously but even right. on a micro level I have these sort of familial privileges right. you know you brought up my friend Christina and she was talking about in her in her podcast with you that her episode that um you know she's an only child and she yes, you know exactly lost sibling and like all of the pressure is on her and there's it's a lot and yeah. so you know I just got two babies in my right. family my mom is like off my back a little right exactly. now <laughs> although I did tell her I was doing this podcast she told me she would cry while she listened to it so <laughs> <laughs> there's also that um but for the most part my parents have been really supportive of all of the choices that I've made yeah. I mean they've never really pushed me to like pick a man and a baby over you know what's right for me right and that that in and of itself is a privilege so you know I think yeah exactly that I mean, and that's what I say too all the time like I've got a niece luckily and I have the sister who's chosen the more traditional path and is also a doctor mm-hmm. so my other sister and I kind of just do what we want <laughs> We're like, Nim's done it all, like, she's the, you know, like, our parents are just lucky to get what they get from us, you know, Um, and yeah, that's like an excellent point about privilege, yeah, because we don't think about it all the time on those micro levels, and especially when you're talking about personal things like family, Mm -hmm. it can get, it needs to get to that place too, you know, to like acknowledge like, oh, I actually don't have overbearing parents, I have open and loving parents, Mm -hmm. whereas... A lot of my friends do not have that. And it is, you know, as, I don't know, nowadays, too, even though we're adults, like, we still want to make our parents proud, and we still want them in our lives, and for the most part, you know, and so I still see that kind of, it's not necessarily abusive, but with some of my friends, the overlording from their families and the input that they have in their lives, even in adulthood, is just a lot. It would, for me, feel unbear- um, unbearable just because of the parents that I have. Well, I think it can be really overwhelming. And I also think that as women, we're kind of conditioned from a very early age to want to please people and yes. to please the people around us. And, you know, that's certainly true for me. You know, disappointing my parents is probably one of my biggest triggers, yeah. you know, even now at 35 yeah. like, as a grown-up. and. Um, you know, so that's something that, 
is always a little in the back of my mind, even if they're not pushing that on me. Right. So if I had that kind of constant pressure, I think you don't even realize how much that kind of like wears away. You like a yeah. load under that. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's so true. And it's a very real thing, even if we want to dismiss it and be like, oh, grow up, like you're in charge of your life. It, it, it you know, these things are, it's such a hard thing to navigate because love and relationships is all very personal, obviously, but also just part of who we are and it can feel so huge, you know? So taking the time, you know, that women like us have taken, like I do want to be cognizant of that not being an option for everybody right yeah. now. It's and I want to expand that option. For <laughs> it's true. And I will say that if you're going to make this choice, living in a place like New York City makes it a lot easier. Yeah. You know, and I, like we were just saying, I just moved back here from Vermont. And part of the reason I moved back was that it was, I was in a pretty rural community. It felt like everyone was making the exact same choice. And there was a loneliness that was yeah. starting to sink in because I wasn't, I was single. I, you know, I wasn't making my own family unit. Um, in quotes, like, yeah. you know, and in this traditional way, and I didn't have a dog and a baby and a log cabin, you know, and that's what all my friends were starting to Very do. Very Vermont. Very Vermont. <laughs> I'm, like, not even kidding. <laughs> no, I believe it. I believe Yeah, that. it's so funny. Like, all my friends went from, like, living in the city to, like, becoming, like, organic hemp farmers. Oh, yeah, like, I'm sure. Woods. Yeah, I'm so, sure. Um, yeah, so it was really starting to become really isolating, and I could kind of see this future laid out in front of me that I didn't like. Yeah. Which was like, if I stayed childless, stayed single, I was going to sort of become, be really alone. Yeah. In New York, that's not the case. You right. know, I have a ton of friends. Most of my friends don't have kids. It's like, even if they're married, you know, we still have like a huge community and my choices aren't getting looked at in right. the same, with the same kind of scrutiny. And I think like sometimes people say like, oh, well you say that now, but the older you get, the more people are going to pair off. And, and it's like, that's actually not been what I've seen out of New York so far. Like, especially to, I think, New York, there are just so many different types of ways of living. And, like, a lot of people, who, especially who didn't grow up here and their immediate families aren't here, um, they probably came for different reasons, like to pursue some type of creative endeavor. And you find community in those spaces, too, that extend your time in the city and your life just becomes being a New Yorker and doing this thing. And so it's not like everybody just gives up eventually and goes away. People live their lives here. So I know and I have friends who are in their 40s, 50s, even co-workers and colleagues in their 60s who are very happily not married and call New York home and life just keeps going and changing obviously in those different phases, but they're not destitute, you know, and we're not, and it's not like there's only one of them. (laughs) I actually just read, do you ever read the cut? Yeah, I love it. Um, so the cut is, uh, the New York, uh, magazines, like, I don't know, I guess it's sort of like their fashion, social outlet, whatever they, um, Uh, And I'll post a link to this um, because she will be, I think this will be a book, uh, not the Mama Book Club, Pick of the Future, but um, they wrote this amazing um, article about this woman named Annette Green, who is basically responsible for perfume in America. Um, And her life story is just so fascinating. And this article just like sucks you in because it begins in 1924. I mean, this is like how... The good the writing is in this article too the 
um, journalist who wrote it. Her name is Rachel Syme. But it begins with Molly Green pregnant in a perfumery in New Jersey in 1924, and that's when her water broke and she went into labor with Annette, her Mm -hmm. daughter. And so Annette just turned, I believe, 95, and um, she had over 70 people at her birthday party, you know, and she's got this, like, fabulous life, and uh, she's responsible for transforming an industry. Um, and it was just, and she also wrote a book um, about her life and her experiences with her career and everything. And, you know, very much has never married and did not have children and is completely fine. <laughs> yeah, that's it, right? It's still fine. <laughs> and has lots of other friends in her life, you know, like, yeah. and, and I just think like, you know, we just have to look for them, but the stories and the examples are all around us mm-hmm. of people who have come before us, you know, and maybe more and more people are choosing this certain path, but, like, it's not that we are lacking for examples. They're just not always highlighted. Well, I think that's huge. I mean, I think that's part of this visibility. You know, right. Like a million ways, like, representation can, can change your life, and I think that that's a little bit part of it. I didn't really have, like, a cool, older, single, like, aunt figure or whatever mm-hmm. in my life. You know, I had a lot of very traditional family structures. Well, so what? why don't we talk a little bit about your childhood and your family structure personally. Uh, so uh, you have a sister. Yeah, I have two younger sisters. Two younger sisters. Yeah. Okay. So I grew up in Vermont, in rural Vermont, in um, southern Vermont. Um, and it was pretty, like, idyllic, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, on paper and in general. Like, yeah. we were in a log cabin that my dad built in the woods and you know my parents had land and so we were just pretty you know we're kind of like these kids who just sort of ran around the woods yeah in childhood and we sugared that's for non-vermonters where you make maple syrup yeah um, so we sugared and we had a barn we had you know pigs and chickens and big gardens and so it was great and um I grew up in a, t- a small town um really small my graduating class was 40 kids oh, at wow. public school um and but I grew up in a town where I was maybe like the fourth generation living in that town. So like my great grandmother had a store there. You oh, know, wow. like my grandmother still lived there. She has dinner every Sunday for my whole family. My aunt and uncle live there. My mom and dad, obviously. And so I grew up with my cousins. I went to school with them, mm-hmm. and they were like my brothers. And so we were. It was very like family, 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 yeah. family. My both of my parents um, have about five siblings or four, four or five siblings oh, each. Wow, okay. So it's a big family, Catholic, yeah. very Catholic, um, and you know, in some ways, pretty traditional in those ways. Uh, but I think that it's a great family. Like everyone is really encouraging of sort of everybody's different types of yeah. choices, which was wonderful. But most people made similar choices. Yeah, you know, which was well, you know, when you have great childhood and you have this, you know, like. I get why people make those choices. Right? Like, yeah. You know, I'm from a small town too, not as small or rural, but um, a lot of families in our town, generations upon generations upon generations, all live there. Right. Mine was a bit different. My dad was from there, um, but neither of his two sisters live there. My maternal grandparents were there until they passed away in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. But other than that, we didn't have much family because my mom's childhood was so different. I mean, she grew up all over the world. Um, and so it was it was interesting to experience that because I was an insider-outsider a little bit. Right. And I know my mom always kind of felt like an outsider because a lot of the other moms at school, they all grew up together in Jamestown too, you know, and now their kids grow, you know, grow up together. And um, 
but then because my dad was there, I kind of got it. But just witnessing from the outside, like all and all of these kids and these families that live generations, 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 very rare for any of them to go away and not come back. You know, maybe they'd go to college, maybe they'd get jobs other places, but then they usually always came back when they got married and had kids. Mm-hmm. And so, and I get that. I understand that. Like family dinners, you know, I would love to see my parents once a week, you know? Yeah. And there's something like, I think it's part of why I moved back to Vermont. When yeah. I, so I moved back to Vermont when I was 29 and I, after living in the city for seven years and I loved New York. It wasn't about, you know, I was sort of over New York. Which right. Most everyone. Get to. Everyone needs breaks. <laughs> at a point, the rats in the trash yeah. really start to weigh on you. Um, and, you know, I was used to smaller places and I was sort of, I thought that that's what I wanted. I, my plan at 29 was I'm going to move back to Vermont. I'm going to meet someone right away. I'm going to, like, get married and have a kid within, like, the next two years. Like, that was kind of, like, what I thought would happen. Oh, wow. And it didn't happen. And at first I was like, well, circumstances are keeping this from happening. And then I think it wasn't until a couple years ago where I started to do that work of being like, no, you didn't make it happen. You didn't actually want it to happen. Yeah. Which is why it didn't. And I think that that has been a huge sort of um, revelation for me, yeah. like in, as an adult. Um, and so I, I lasted in Vermont for about five years, and then I just hit a wall of sort of a social wall. Um, I loved living there, and I made wonderful friends. And yeah. It's beautiful. And know? I'm sure you're still friends with all of them. Everything's great. Yeah. <laughs> they they all have great kids. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, and I have some friends there who have made choices not to have kids, but I feel like everyone was like making the same sort of like family choices. It was such an isolating place. It would get so yeah. cold and dark and winter lasted like 700 months. Yeah. It's like Game of Thrones. Um, and I think that people really hold up in this way. And if you were holed up alone, it's yeah. like feel really isolating. Um, but I, again, I'm not someone who wants a relationship. I don't want to be in a relationship because I feel like I have to, or right. I'm lonely, you know, like, and I feel like that's kind of a bad reason. Well, and I think something interesting that you just said is, once you did some self-reflection about why, you know, this relationship and babies hadn't happened for you, you realize like, oh, because you didn't make it happen. Right. And that's like the reality of life. Like we have it in our power to make things happen for ourselves to, within reason, you know. Um, and, you know, I know we all want to believe that love and soulmates and it just happens because you happen to find the right person. But, no, I mean, you can find – if that's what you want, you'll find it where you're at, and you can be happy. It doesn't mean you're settling. It just means that you're getting what you want. No. And um, I think that's just a really important point to make that sometimes even the things that we think that we really want, you realize that you actually don't, but it's in a roundabout way. Well, yeah, I was deconstructing the narrative that I've been fed right. since I was a baby, yeah. you know, which is like, and not to say that my parents push it on me or no. were pressuring me, but it was a narrative I had absorbed through osmosis, which was right. like, you are supposed to have a baby and live in a log cabin. Right. <laughs> I keep saying log cabin, but I'm like not lying. Um, and I, I just think it took a while for me to realize like it was, it was harder in some ways, I think dismantled this sort of like because it had so many positive right. connotations that it felt like I was giving up something I was supposed to want to love. Right. And again, who knows where my life is going to take me? Like I'm pretty open to what happens, but I think at this point I can rule a few things out. More yeah. than one kid, I think I can rule out. Yeah. Um, certainly three, I can 100% rule out. You yeah. Know? I just don't want that much chaos in my life yeah in that way well and I think too 
you know, I think another important thing about this whole idea of choosing parenting Mm -hmm. and choosing to become a parent and giving, allowing yourself for, allowing for it to be a choice in your life instead of just a foregone conclusion is that it might be something that is made over the course of your adult life. It might not be something that's ever like, you know, like for me, yes, I'm child-free. I'm not going to have a kid. Mm-hmm. I know that. Mm-hmm. It's just not happening. It doesn't matter who I'm with. It doesn't matter if my financial circumstances change. It doesn't matter any of that kind of stuff. Um, I'm, it's not happening. Um, but for some people, I think these kinds of things take their time to roll out. And I think it's exactly what you're saying because you had to deconstruct a narrative in your mind that is something that you hold very dear and is very valuable still, but you're realizing it wasn't what was fulfilling for you personally. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and it very well might result in you having a child and maybe you will move back to Vermont. Who knows, you know? But I think that a lot of the times we just don't give ourselves the space to take our time in making decisions. You know, we've just got it in our brains that this is what we want and this is what we've always wanted and this, you know, and we don't remain open to allowing ourselves to figure it out, you know? Well, I think that's huge. You're, I think you're so right. I think it's just that freedom of choice and, and making it a real conscious choice. Right. Because I think if you had asked me at 29, I would have said, this is my choice. Yeah. But I think that I don't think I was realizing how much I had been influenced into assuming that was my choice and right. living in it. And yeah, again, and so I think, because I've kind of always been this person who's always like, this is how I am. This is what I'm doing. This is what I want to have life. This is one of the first times in my life I've really been like, I really don't know. I guess we'll find out. I mean, I know certain things, you know, I know certain things about my career. I know certain things about who I am as a person, but I think I'm sort of willing to kind of like let the ship steer me a little bit more than I have in the past. And I think there's something really freeing about that feeling. Yeah. Um, As much as I am also sort of consciously making my own choices now. Right. And I think like that is such a good point too, in that, you can be a person who knows exactly what you want in certain ways. And then you can be a person who needs to take your time and figure stuff out in a longer, more, you know, considerate path. Like, uh, you know, for me, yeah, I know I don't want to have kids, but I don't know what my career is. Right. You know, I do work in higher ed and I do like it, but I wouldn't, you know, I would actually 100% necessarily say it's not my dream job. I don't know what that is. You know, I'm always constantly jealous of the people who I know who have a career direction that they've always wanted, you know, but that doesn't mean that I can't make decisions for myself. You know, it just means that we're sort of flipped, right? And on the family thing, I know exactly what it is that I want and need to make me happy right now and for the long run. But career-wise, I don't. I have literally no idea. (laughs) (laughs) And for you, and this is like a great way to shift into your career and talking a little bit more directly and purposefully about that, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe you're taking a little bit longer to figure out your family dynamic and what that means for you, but you know your career for sure. Yeah, and I do. I think there's a privilege in that too, you know. And I, um, I've always known. I mean, I knew since I was a little girl that I wanted right. to be a writer, and it was never really even a choice. Almost like it was like this is who I, who and what I was going to be. So I think that's so interesting because a lot of writers that I know, that's their answer. Yeah, you know, it's like just a compulsion. Like you have to write and you have to tell stories. And to be honest, I think it's such a difficult career. Yeah. If you don't come from money, I'm putting that caveat yeah. in there. It's so even that I think it's difficult. But I think it's such a difficult career that. I think it has to be that because yeah. you're going to face so much crap that 
if you don't have that kind of conviction about it, then either, you know, you've kind of give up probably early on. Yeah. But I do want to make a point about what you were just saying, because I think it's such a good one and it's one we overlook. I think, especially when you are a young woman and you're like early thirties, late twenties, you're single, there is so much pressure on you. Even yeah. if it's not coming from your family, it's coming from every, it's like oozing out of the walls and, you know, society, the news, everything. And I remember having this conversation with my younger sister, Mary, who had just had the twins. She's got a much more traditional path. You know, she kind of like met her guy at just the right time. Yeah. At just the right time. My baby's into all those things that we kind of have these stereotypes around. And I remember talking to her once and sort of, and I think she could kind of tell the way I was talking. It was like, oh, well, if I had a husband and then a kid, everything would be perfect. And she was like, she goes, you know, she's like, just because I'm married, it doesn't mean my life's perfect. Right. She was like, that's like one area that is going okay. She's like, but there's ups and downs. And she's like, and then like, look at all these other areas. She goes, it doesn't solve a problem. Yeah. She's like, having that thing isn't going to solve it for you. And it was such like a powerful moment for me because I, I think I had started to absorb these messages that I was right. getting. And then I was like, oh, this would solve all my problems. I'm like, what an insane thought. Right. That I would, you know, and I think that's why in a way, like choosing a partner for X and Y's reasons, if it's not just to, you know, add value to your life. Like I think relationships like that tend to end up being doomed because it's like, I think you're making the choice as a band-aid thinking that, okay, well now everything's perfect. You know, Oh, I had the baby. Now things are perfect. I want an insane idea. Like I think having a kid makes things a million times harder for everybody. Right. So I don't know. I think it's really interesting that I think we just, it's a grass is always greener thing. Yes. I think we all get caught on these sides of these fence thinking like, Oh, if I had that thing, everything would be great. Well, and that's for sure, like, I can a million percent identify with that with career stuff in New York because everyone that you meet is doing something awesome. You know, everyone that you meet, especially, like, in my social circle and I'm sure in yours as well, like, Mm -hmm. knowing so many creatives, it's – and it's not even, like, people – I don't even think people at the end of the day want to be super competitive. It's just that it ends – it's just human nature, right? And for me, like – being around all of these early success, mid success mm-hmm. um, performers and creatives, and then on top of that, also being in higher education, where there are a lot of people. I mean, working with faculty, working with other administrators who have specialized in higher ed, there are a lot of people that are around day to day who know exactly what it is that they want to do too. You know, and I just always am feeling like I'm just stuck and it's always, I'm always like, oh, I wish when I was a kid, I just knew exactly what I wanted to do and that's what I did in school and that's, you know, um, but then I think, you know, I always have to kind of rein myself in because it's like, I don't know, I guess, but like I'm doing all, like all of the things that I knew I really wanted, I'm doing. Right. you know, I knew I really wanted to live in New York. I'm living in New York. I knew I was creative enough, you know, and I'm always doing creative enough things. Having a big social circle of friends has always been really important to me. I have that, and they're dynamic and interesting and fulfilling to me. Um, relationships in general are just important to me, and I have really great ones, you know, including my relationship with Lane. So it is, you always have to check yourself, like, no matter what it is that you think is missing it's so important to put that into your process of perspective to always check yourself when you go off on those tracks, you know? And it's difficult. And like, you know, and I'm going to say the same thing to you that my sister said to me, which is like, even when you know those things, it doesn't make it easy or right. I mean, even when I published my trilogy, it was, it was really hard to 
deal with the jealousy around that with watching other people be published at the same time be more successful. Yes. Like, that's something that I've had to work really hard at dismantling for myself. And one of my responses to that was kind of to take a slight step away from publishing for a little while mm-hmm. and to focus on other areas of my career that mattered yeah. to me. And, and I, but I think it was part of that. I think there was this idea of like, well, oh my God, I had this dream. I fulfilled it. Life's great. Right. Oh, wait. Now, now I want to go to that level. And I don't, I think we can get so caught in like always trying to go to that next level that we just don't stop and enjoy the level we're right. on, you know, and I don't, I don't, just enjoy the doing you yeah, know? and the process. Yeah. I think it's become so difficult for us to live in the present because it's always like, well, what will it look like, you right. know, like 10 years from now, five years from now. And, you know, I just think it's really like chipping away at it really slowly yeah. and just like make, trying to make yourself better every day and then you, you get there, but it's, right. no one wants that answer. You know? Like, I know. You I mean, that, button. Yeah. you know, ultimately, isn't that just life? Yeah. You know, like, aren't we all, I mean, everybody is facing all of these different things, you know, and cause I have had, um, I've had listeners write in and say, you know, it's just so hard for me because I'm in the smaller community and litter. It's kind of like what you, ex- mm-hmm. you, uh, described about your Vermont time, you know, where everybody's doing it this one way and that's just not the way that it's happening for you. And especially about being child free specifically in smaller places, it's just so hard to connect to other people who are like-minded to you mm-hmm. or, you know, that, and this is the thing that I am realizing more and more, um, the deeper I get into the quote unquote child free community people who are child free are very different. I mean that you can't define yourself as a human being based on this one choice that you've made. So all different types of people like different things, you know? So even if you're in a small place and there's another child free person, you might not connect with them, you yeah. know, <laughs> just like in the city, you might have, your kid might have one friend who has a parent that's around your age and you might not connect with that parent, right. you know, it is really hard to do the thing. <coughs> that's opposite than mainstream. Yes. It's really difficult. And, you know, and I really was struggling with this last year. And it was when I was trying to make the choice to move back to New York City or to stay in Vermont. And I, at that point in Vermont, had kind of, like, acquired sort of these trappings of adulthood. I had, I was living alone. I had a beautiful apartment. I had nice, I had a nice couch, you know. I, like, owned nice furniture. And if I was going to move back to New York, for my social health, for my mental health, I was going to lose all those things. I would have to move in with other people. I would have to get rid of my fancy couch, you know, like all these things. And I was really torn and it didn't help that I was getting pulled in all these different directions. My family really wanted me to stay in Vermont. My friends really wanted me to come to New York and I was really lost. Actually, Christina, (laughs) my friend. I think I remember one of your visits out here. Yeah, I do. I think I saw you at Christmas and I was like, what do I do? And you were like, I just met you. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I probably gave you a lot of advice. (laughs) Um, Standard for me. Yeah. So over the summer, I was was back at my parents' house and I could not decide, you know, am I actually going to go to New York? Am I going to back to Burlington and um Christina sent me this podcast it was the minimalists and it was this episode that was all about this girl who had decided not to go to college and kind of like dealing with the social stigma around that Mm -hmm. and I went on this long walk in the woods and I listened to this podcast for like two hours and it was all about just like how do we all about how hard it is to make a choice that is against what you think you're supposed to be doing at this age. And, and other outside voices are trying to push you into doing what you're supposed to be doing. And then it was all about like how every choice they had made in their lives, like 
that was against that was like the best choice they had ever made. Yeah. And I was like, it was like a mind blowing moment for me. I think it was the first time I felt like anyone had even said to me, do what's right for you. Yeah. <laughs> like not what's necessarily like what you are supposed to do. Yeah. And so I did it and I like could not be happier with this yeah. choice like at all. You know, it's just like fallen into place. Yeah. And, yeah. and it keeps getting more exciting oh. and you keep having more new things happen. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I also think like the best things we do in life are hard mm-hmm. and a risk, you know? And, and that's why, you know, like going back to the whole, like, having a kid is difficult and you know not having a kid is difficult it is also difficult it is it is hard because you're constantly faced with questions about why Mm -hmm. and questions about what you're going to do and questions about you know how your life is worthwhile or even just that quiet judgment you're going to regret it your life in 20 years is going to be horrific like who's going to watch you on your deathbed somebody literally said that to me the other day they were like like, what happens when you get really sick and you're old like who's going to take care of you I was like I don't know like I'm not banking on a kid for that I was like I don't know I've got like got a lot of health insurance for death and dying and all that I don't know you know, not something I want to deal with, think about right now. Right, and and not certainly. It is so strange to me because I don't think parents in any capacity say, "Oh, I just love my babies so much because I had them because now I won't die right. alone on my deathbed." <laughs> like that is, you know, maybe some nut jobs say that, right. but like, get that kid away from them. <laughs> what else are they making that kid do? You know, like what else, what other part is that? serving for them purposefully you know I mean like that's where like this whole idea about child-free people being selfish it's like no way like everyone's just as selfish as everyone else if any of us are and to be honest you know maybe I am selfish right now and I want to be and I don't think that that's a bad feeling to have and I know enough about myself right now that I shouldn't have a kid because of that yeah. I think the worst decision would be to, like, have a kid because society is telling me I'm supposed to when I'm, like, really not actually in a place where I want one. And I have a lot of friends who've done that. Yeah. You know, just because it's sort of, like, this is the time. I'm with the person. I'm getting pressure from all sides. Like, let's do it. Yeah. And they're not, I think, if we really break it down, I don't know that they are always. I think there's this idea of, like, you have kids, you'll never regret it. And right. I don't think that that's true. I just think it's No, people regret it a lot. And yeah. that will probably be, like, in the next 10 to 15 years, I as more and more people are openly child free and are openly feeling compelled to discuss it and that and the fact that because I'm thinking that we're like a half a generation away from people really just always you know because now people aren't like millennials what we're not having kids in our 20s like Mm -hmm. everyone else used to we're waiting later and later um I feel like younger people are realizing it's the norm now or is becoming the norm certainly in certain circles to consider having kids and that it's not a foregone conclusion so I think there's progress being made in that regard I think the next wave of the progress will be parents with regrets and speaking openly about it you know and and I don't know what that will look like because guess what? I'm not going to have to experience it. You know, I don't need to, you know, like everyone's always like, oh, well, what are you going to do with the regret of not having children? And it's like, well, I don't think I'm going to have that, but maybe you will have your kids. And how are you going to deal with that? And I think that it will become a less taboo thing to talk about. Um, It's just figuring out how to use the right language because 
you know, and that's where it's another privilege of the child free. We can talk about our feelings openly and mm-hmm. unselfishly because there isn't another person that is, we haven't created another life, you know? And I think that that is a powerful position to be in. And so in certain ways, I'm just like, Oh, poor parents, you know, they got to keep it bottled up if they don't want to scar another individual. Forever. <laughs> well, it's kind of true. You know, I have a lot of, a lot of my friends are writers and artists and, you know, and really are people who are really honest and thoughtful and emotionally in tune with their feelings. And, um, I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine right after she had a baby and she was like, I know I'm supposed to love it right away. And she's like, and I just kind of don't. Yeah. She's like, I think it's something that's going to have to grow with me. And we had this beautiful, honest conversation about it. And I cannot even, I'm like just imagining people hearing that and be like, how could you say this? It's like, you're not even allowed to express like an honest emotion about this yeah. process because even the process has to go in a very specific way. And if it doesn't, then you failed. Right. And women well, are still that. hate Brooke Shields for openly talking about postpartum depression, which right. is a huge ordeal that right. affects a lot of people. And it's a legitimate medical issue. Exactly. You know, and, and so it's, sometimes it's not even in our control how we react to things. You but know? sometimes also it's like, it's less intense than that. You yeah. Know, I have a good friend who was in the city not that long ago and she has a two year old and, you know, she was with her husband when they had the baby and then they split up and now she's a single parent and he's not in the picture and it is really hard and her she has to make constant choices about this where she you know I'm all I I know she wants to move to an urban area and it's really hard she can't she can't afford childcare and a baby and a city and rent and you know and she's very honest and very open with me about how she feels at times and you know we're supposed to meet and her toddler was like having a screaming meltdown and she was like all I'm going to do is go to a restaurant without a toddler screaming at me and it was like oh my gosh you're right you know like I think sometimes I'll watch a commercial where like a dad picks up a kid and I have a twin or I'm like oh I ever like have like see a guy (laughs) like watch my husband like cuddle our baby and I'm like oh but then I'm like okay do I really feel that or am I being told to feel that? You like that image on TV. It's and a then commercial. <laughs> I get these texts being like the toddler screaming, melting yeah. down. And I'm like, oh, this is another sign of this reality. Right, exactly. And so it's, listen, and I'm not trying to come down on your side. My sister is the world's best mom. She couldn't be happier. And she is the cutest kid. Yeah. Like, it's insane. Um, and so I think that there's always happiness attached to this yeah. decision. But I think that we have to have room to say that there's happiness attached to the opposite decision. Yeah. And I don't think, I think sometimes we're constantly put on the defensive. Yes. Oh, yes. Where we're just not even allowed to feel that way. Yes. And if you, if like yourself, where you might, you might become a mother someday, you know, you're still in the phase of figuring it out. It's like almost like, and that's for like, for me, it's been a bit freeing to just be like, I'm child free. I'm not having kids. Like yeah. get out of my face. If you don't want to have a blunt discussion about it. Um, but I'm sure, and maybe I'm assuming things, but I'm sure people also kind of see women like yourself in the midst of making the decision as incomplete somehow. Oh, like yeah. You, you know, and but it's I'm just not, as I many. I actually be happy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, it's just as many invasive questions, right. you know, mm-hmm. and it's just a different type of, you know, invasion. And it's all fucking exhausting. It is exhausting. Yeah. And I just... You know, I get that there are men who are child-free, and they are definitely part of this conversation, and, you know, obviously, I uh, lean towards the women's perspective, because that's my experience, and so I can speak to it for myself. Um, I think we have a different pressure. Yes, we do. Yeah. Of course. It's 100% of course. Yeah. Um, And I think most men who are rational, and certainly most men who believe in women's rights, would say that that's true, too. Because 
I mean, I say this all the time with Blaine. He never has to come out as anything. You yeah. know? Like he doesn't right? have to explain his life choices. Yeah. You know? But I mean, I mean, that's a whole other conversation, which is like watching my friends and family members who are mothers versus fathers and this this responsibility yeah. of of roles that are put on them. I mean, you know, I'm sort of fascinated by these conversations around the emotional weights of a household and like yeah. how much women are kind of just doing that invisible labor all the time and it's not true without kids too even without kids so even if it's like you know you even if you have this household and you know uh, the guy's taking out the trash but you are constantly thinking about do we have butter constantly right. you have these cut you're doing the bills you have this constant thing in your mind and I think with kids that just becomes exponential oh yeah and as as much as I think we are getting more towards a better gender <laughs> I hate to say equality, but like get moving in a better direction yeah. than we've been in the past. I think it's fair to say. I still see very few examples of dads having equal weight. Very yeah. few. Very. Yeah, uh, for sure, hundred percent. I think most rational dads and fathers who are good listen to that. Good fathers will right. admit that. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it, it, there was a meme that I saw recently, or maybe, I don't know, maybe it was a meme, maybe it was a start of a blog or something, but um, this guy's girlfriend, or this this woman's girlfriend, no, oh my gosh, my brain, <laughs> this woman's boyfriend, they were moving out of their apartment, mm-hmm. and they were packing up the bathroom stuff, and they had a soap dispenser, and he said... Can you believe in the two years that we've lived here, we we have never had to replace the soap? And his girlfriend had been obviously refilling it every right. couple of months. And it's just, it's like, that rang true for me in my life. Like, Lane definitely does do a lot of stuff. He cooks for me all the time. But that's kind of a recent development, you know? And certainly as far as, like, things in the bathroom and cleaning supplies and stuff like that, unless he's going to do it and realizes it's gone – there's not a lot of forward thinking and the replacement of that kind of stuff. And so even in our household, just the two of us, you know, where equal responsibility is shared, there's still so many things I'm thinking of that are just within the home that he would be perfectly fine without even having, I think, too. Just because his mom and stepmom did those things when he was growing up. It wasn't something that he was even taught to think about, you know. Um, that's all kind of an aside, but yeah, exponentially. Well, no, because you're you're already kid. doing invisible labor, and I've right. now added screaming baby to that. Yeah, and that kind of invisible labor is insane. And I don't, you know, so I, I mean, that's a whole other facet. Is like, do I want to take on that much work right now? I just don't, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have a lot of work. I love, you know, I'm doing yeah. a lot, and you are doing a lot. I feel like you know, I'm just not in a place right now where I want to add a baby to that. I mean, I. In some way, I do envy men just around this lack of this biological clock crap. Hey, there are a million things that I envy myself. (laughs) It has nothing to do with wanting to be a man. It just has everything to do with what they're allowed to fucking do every day, all day long. You know, how they're allowed to walk through this world, you know? Well, it's funny you mentioned soulmates earlier because it's like... The whole, you know, when I was younger, I was a huge romantic. I think, like, yeah. I love romance novels. I loved, like, you know, writing these romantic books and stuff. And I love romance. I always will. But as I get older, I get much more practical about it. And, and I thought that would make my younger self sad, but I'm not. Like, I don't really believe in soulmates at all. And what I believe, though, is that I think it's so difficult to find someone who kind of, like, fits all those yeah. things at the right time. And 
all those things that so it becomes something akin to soulmates. But I think this idea that you have to meet the person you're supposed to be with out of everyone on yeah. this planet and it's only one of them. And now it's conveniently between the ages of 25 yeah. and 35. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it doesn't really count. Yeah. It's insane. Right. It's insane. You know, we are so ageist around this stuff. Yeah. And I think that that's a huge part of it with babies. Is it like... Yeah. You know, it's like you, it has to happen by this age. And if it hasn't, you failed, you have failed at something you didn't want in the first place. Right. And that is a really hard thing. I think, especially for a lot of women to face. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, you know, going back to making your own choices and taking your time, like you, you know, even in a relationship, I think like certainly I would categorize my relationship in this way. It's making a decision to stay together and to be together Mm -hmm. every other day, you know, like you're just constantly reaffirming that choice. It's not, you know, because like people grow apart to, you know, even your soulmate that you once had. And so that's why, you know, that's what commitment is. It's like reaffirming that decision over and over again. And I think that in certain ways, that's what it is with parenting or not parenting. You know, I am constantly reaffirming my decision not to have children. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think parents, you know, it's, the, it's a bit of a different decision because you have to go into it knowing that you're going to reaffirm that decision before you've made that decision. Right? Because, yeah. I mean, well, unless you're some douchebag who walks out, <laughs> it's hard It's hard mm-hmm. to go back on that, you know? So it's just, it, it's all kind of within the same realm, but there are just so many different parts that you have to kind of figure out. And I think it's for each one of us as individuals to figure out the best way for us to figure that out. Yeah. You know? It's so true. I just read um, Lindy West's book Shrill oh okay. which I, yeah I never read I saw the show I love the show but I so you know I was reading the memoir before it came out and um I I really liked it but she had this line in there that I think will stick with me forever where she said something like she was talking about her now husband and they were kind of breaking up at this point spoiler but um and she said something like um, that was back when I thought that relationships were something that happened to you uh-huh. before I realized that they were something that you had to like grow and work on. Yeah. Something like that. And it was just such a moment where I was like, Oh my God, that's the soulmate thing. It's like this. It, I think the believing in soulmates takes responsibility off of a yeah. choice. Right. It's like, Oh my God, I didn't, we locked eyes and the world changed and that was it. Yeah. And it didn't make you make a conscious decision. And now, as I'm getting older, I'm looking at my friends get married and, and what that looks like and starting to get divorced. But like, yeah. what it looks like is, like, the people who are doing the best are people who have similar lifestyles, who want the same things, and yeah. have chosen the same things. Yeah. And I'll tell you, all my friends who, like, wanted babies and their husband didn't or, or vice versa and they thought they could talk each other into yeah. it, it's not going well. No. You know? No. And so, and I know that your, you know, your choices change and they grow and they evolve as you get older and stuff, but... I just think that, like, sometimes we let these romantic ideas, like, take over things that are just, like, smart choices for us at that time that maybe require a certain level of practicality. Yep. Yep. And that's true with all of the above, you know. And I think we just need to become more intentional about all of those choices. And having children is definitely part of that, where I think... Um, most people aren't yet comfortable with that being an intentional, rational decision and not just a biological, like, of course it's going to happen one, you know? Um, all right. Well, I think it's time to wrap up. Um, but I want Rachel, maybe, uh, so you have your book series out. Mm -hmm. 
Um, why don't you tell us a little bit more about where people can find your books and also where they can find other work of yours as yeah, well. Yeah, so you can find all my books on Amazon, um, and then you can visit my website, which is rachel-carter.com. We'll have it linked on our website. Thank you. And I have um, my book stuff is up there, but also I'm an editor. I have a freelance editing business, so if you want to write a book, I can help you do that. Very exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's such a fun job because it's always so different, and yeah. I'm always working with so many, like, different types of writers and um so I love that because it's always changing um so yeah so you can check out that and yeah that's pretty much me very exciting well thank you so much for being with us today and listeners thank you for tuning in again of course you know the drill I'm going to tell you a million different things that you have to do please 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 subscribe rate and review on itunes i know i say it all the time but like honestly it seems to not be working too well because we're not getting any more ratings <laughs> i know it's an annoying thing but it also is just like a two second thing so just please take the time do it um also uh, send us your feedback thoughts opinions to notthemamapod at gmail.com or also through our contact form on our website notthemamapod.com um and of course follow us along on instagram at notthemamamedia um exciting things are happening there so get into it um but anyway thank you all for tuning in and we'll be back next week bye